Hey everybody, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. On today's podcast, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Nikita Thigpen. She is the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world, and Nikita partners with careerpreneurs to help them amplify their intimacy and their relationships to thrive in work life and love by creating their balance and joy. I had absolutely the best time interviewing Nikita, and she shared so many like nuggets of wisdom that they're really too long to list here, but just to give you a couple of touch points, we talked about how women can express their anger in a proactive way. We talked about how to handle difficult clients in a way that feels good and uplifts you and them. And she shares absolutely by far my favorite, the one thing that she does to recharge her business and herself every year. Check it out. You're not going to want to miss this. My name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Hey, Nikita, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am beyond excited to have you here. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are and the way you're serving the world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Emmy, for inviting me. You know, I'm honored to share this space with you and all of the listeners that you've cultivated over the years, following you and your brand and your sparkaliciousness. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so excited to be here as well. So it's definitely hashtag mutual feelings, as the kids would say. (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Nikita Thigpen. For all of you who have never heard of me before, I am a licensed clinical social worker by professional background. A lot of my expertise is rooted in trauma-informed care, relationship management, human behavior, sex therapy, intimacy, and all things that really tap into the person inside the professional. About eight years ago, I started a global personal development company called Big Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute, where Mm -hmm. I work with lots of ambitious women in business and a few brave men who are just truly ready to change their narrative that they have inside their minds from wherever they were coming from, those scripts that need to be re-scripted and reprogrammed so they can honestly have more freedom and flexibility and the confidence to thrive without sacrificing their love life. So that's one of the hugest differentiators for our personal development company is Mm -hmm. I am all about the love, all about the intimacy, personally and professionally, because we know people can be really ambitious and successful on paper and, you know, inside work. But if they're coming home to really humdrum, mundane relationships or lack thereof, it's just not serving them in the most successful way. And that's where I step step into the space and really leave the biggest impact. Which I think is so amazing because I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to or I've heard about where they're like, I was rocking in at work and then coming home, not just like intimate, personal, you know, love relationship, but not loving themselves, not loving their right. friends. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. feeling very void. Yeah. That's a, that's a phenomenal word there. Cause there is this big, whole this gap this tunnel that forms in your soul when you feel like you're missing that trusted person 
even mm -hmm. especially if that trusted person is you, right? Like if you don't feel like right. you even have a connection with yourself to trust your own decisions and your ability to take over the world and trust that you have power within you and there's self-esteem and self-confidence issues that the world may not see because you put the mask on, you put the hills on, you put the pearls on and you step into it. But behind the scenes, you may be struggling and there definitely is, to use your word, a huge void that forms for people. And that's all intimacy. That's self-intimacy as well. Mm -hmm. How do you help people kind of take the first steps into reconnecting with themselves or their partner? Yeah, well, if it's for your partner, it's also for yourself, right? Like, so we talk about a lot, like you can't show up for someone more fully than you can show up for yourself. You and I both know this as leaders in the space who do a lot of self-work and a lot of reflective mm -hmm. work for ourselves and work with our own coaches and advisors and teams. It is super, you know, crucial, for lack of another word, that you really take care of you. So it's not just the self-care, like people put too much emphasis. Self-care is important, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. just going to yoga and having a great Pilates body and, you know, eating right. clean and having some acupuncture or massages or, or spa days with some friends, that's all good. It's really helpful. It's definitely a part of the process. But if you're mm -hmm. doing the self-care without having self-love, then we have a right. challenge, right? We get too caught into the doing instead of the being. And when you love yourself, which means looking in the mirror and being okay, more than okay with everything you see. So I do a lot of mirror work with a lot of our clients. I mean, they have to be at a certain space where they're willing and ready to really dive in that deep, but that's the only way that I work with them. So if they mm -hmm. are not just saying, oh yeah, I really want to do it, but then they're not ready. So they're not showing up to the sessions or they're constantly right. having you know, a reason why they can't make appointments, then they're not really ready. And you have to be mm -hmm. ready to dive into yourself and to dive into your own spirit work so that we can fix the broken pieces of your vessel and get it all glued back together so that when you pour in that self-care and you do that stuff, there's some love there to hold that space for you. Right, right. That's so amazing. Just for people who don't know, would you share what doing mirror work looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. So mirror work comes in many different forms, but the simplest one is literally to stand in front of a mirror that you can see at least waist up. So not just your face, but waist up and standing back just enough so that you can literally see like your eyes, like both your eyes. Sometimes we're so close to the mirror, we can only see into one eye if we're like looking at ourselves. So mm -hmm. you want to stand back so you have a little bit more of a full picture. It's not whole because you're not seeing your whole body, but a full picture of your being. You can, you know, if you're intuitive, you can sense your own aura, you can really connect with yourself. And if you stand back far enough, but close enough to see yourself, but still far enough to see waist up, and you say things, and there's usually a script that we program based on some of the challenges you have. So mm -hmm. most people have a challenge with their worth or feeling like they're not enough, especially the, the women and men that you and I work with because they're ambitious, they're go-getters, they're doers, and mm -hmm. they're constantly not celebrating the thing that they just got done, right? They just got it done. They hit the goal yeah. that they had for six months, but they don't celebrate it. They're like, okay, great, moving on. And they didn't really take stock in it. So because they're constantly going on this hamster wheel of their own creation, they're, they're constantly feeling like they're not enough for the next big thing. Everything right. is about, you know, proving, 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 and they're kind of in this really um, 
egregious cycle, which can really suck up all of their energy. So if Mm -hmm. you stand back and you do some of the, you know, the more than enough work, it really is as simple as saying, I love you. Like I do mirror work every day, twice a day. And I'll look in the mirror, I anchor it to something that you can, you know, you know, that is a habit. So I know that I'm gonna brush my teeth every day, twice a day, right? So I anchor my mirror work to do to do that before I brush my teeth, because when I brush my teeth, I do a little bit more affirmations. Now, granted, I'm a special spice, so everyone doesn't have to do all this. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I love that. Hashtag special spice. Special spice, you know, know who you're dealing with. And I I know that I'm a multi-trauma survivor, so I know there's a lot of stuff in there that even after years of therapy and coaching and all that, those things can creep back up into my conscious space and show up in my relationship with self, my husband, my kids, my grandbabies, and even my clients, if I'm not careful. So I do probably a a little bit more than most people would feel like they need to do. But the mirror work that I do probably takes all of 60 seconds before I start to brush my teeth and do my, my normal affirmations of how brave and bold and beautiful and courageous I am. But the mirror work is as simple as saying, I love you, Nikita Ren Webster Thigpen. I say my full name, including my maiden name, because I was me before I was a wife, right? I always want to own that part of myself and not feel lost in my husband's space or lost in his relationship. So I say, I love you, Nikita Ren Webster Thigpen. I free you from all of the things that you've done to yourself or to others that you didn't forgive yourself for. I forgive you. I release you from all of it. You are deserving and worthy of every great thing that you have had, you do have, and you will have. All the miracles belong to you. All of them. All of the unlimited abundance. It all belongs to you because you are worthy. Receive it. Receive it. I love you. And then I brush my teeth. That is so amazing. And having done mirror work and not to the extent I'm going to say that you're doing it, I don't do it every day, but I have to say it's one of the most powerful things. And when I did it the first time was so uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I cried a few times. I will still have moments when I, you know, sometimes it's just ease and flow, like, you know, getting right through it, like a little ritual routine. And then some days because you do have to look into your eyes. Like you, it's very important that you're not busy, you know, putting the toothpaste on your toothbrush and getting ready for the next, you know, part of your day. I'm literally right. standing there not doing anything, knowing that the next thing that I'm going to do is pick up my toothbrush and, you know, move to the next part of my day. But I'm literally looking at myself. And sometimes there's something that was going on that creeped up that I didn't even know, you know, maybe, you know, we're business women. So maybe there mm-hmm. was something that was, you know, an inferred comment in on social media. You know, I've had people say, cause I changed, I have short hair, but I changed my hair a lot. And years ago, I used to have people say, oh, Nikita, you would be so beautiful if you grew your hair. Like what? First of all, have you looked at the sexiness? Like what? And you know, my immediate comment would be like, girl, bye. Like I know how awesome I am. But then sometimes because I'm a woman and you know, our, unfortunately, you know, the way we look and all that does matter in the world for other people, there would be a moment that would come up maybe weeks after that, that all of a sudden I would be looking at myself saying, oh, maybe I should grow my hair back. (laughs) Like, you know, like where did that come from? Right? Yeah. So just those little things. And that can release tears of anger. It's not always sadness. 
but sometimes you're just freaking angry. Like what, how, why did I let this person get to me? Where did this come from? Uh, you know, if I showed up in a boardroom to do a negotiation and I just felt like I didn't, you know, sometimes we just can't gather all of our stuff, no matter how awesome we are, like our minds feel mm -hmm. a little jumble. So then I'm questioned like, oh, you should have said this, you should have said that. And I'm not releasing it. I'm holding mm -hmm. on to things that I cannot change instead of embracing the, the lesson that I got from it to be, you know, more prepared or to calm down and slow down before I show up in that room and review my pitch deck one more time or, you know, or whatever it is I needed to do. So, yeah. Right. Right. I want to circle back and kind of hone in on something you said about sometimes the, the tears are of anger mm. and not just sadness. Do you feel like, women in particular, like we're not allowed to be angry. Yeah, I do. Because, you know, you're nurturing, you're beautiful, you're docile, you're absolutely not supposed to have anything that would look like aggression, right? Right. <laughs> uh, especially anger, because the world boxes us in. And I'll go a step further, Emmy, you know, I'm an African American woman, and it is definitely another layer to that as if you show up as an African-American woman and there is a itch, an inkling, an ounce of anger there, you are pegged on a whole nother level as the angry, angry Black girl, right? And that can and be challenging. I th yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And, and I think too, like, particularly as an African-American, but women in general, if you show up and you're assertive and smart and you're really, you know, persistent in what you want, then a lot of times we're defined as angry too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or masculine. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really frustrating. So how can somebody express their anger in healthy ways? I lead from kindness as much okay. as possible. So you can be angry and kind and it can look a little sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> Messy. Right? Like, you know, the clinical side coming out, like it, it can look for other people like what? Like, you know, I was just waiting for you because some people are trying to pull you off your square, right? Like they're trying to get you into a space where they think they got you by the kohanas, you know, for mm -hmm. lack of a better, because if they can get you angry and get you more emotional, then they can keep you from tapping into your power. So they think. But if right. you use it, because women are powerful beings. I mean, our, our goddess level is just, you know, just off the charts. We're freaking life bearers. You know what I mean? Like we are so powerful and we have to use a little anger when we're pushing out life, right? Like we got to pull in all of our energy to push mm -hmm. that baby out. And there it's accepted to look ugly and make faces and to do all that. But it's really not accepted outside of labor. So I remind everyone that I'm dealing with, you have to look at everything that you do as laborious when it matters to you. So if it matters to you to have this business or this, I don't like to use the word side hustle, I'll say passion project or, you know, or, or, or passionate place that you're trying to cultivate. When you're in that space, you have to remember that this is labor, but you have to go into labor slow so you don't bust a vessel or, or split something you don't want to split, right? Right. <laughs> And as for all the women who have ever pushed out a child, you understand exactly what I mean when yes. I was painting a, a, you know, a super physical picture. So part of how you do that is to lead with kindness. When you're first going into even a physical labor, once you feel it, you're like, <gasps> and you start breathing and you're trying to calm yourself because you're trying to be gentle about the process. So I lead with that in conversations. And I'll give you mm -hmm. an example. I recently had a former client 
who was way past, we had stopped working together months and months and months you know, prior to this, the, the course that we had done was over. We had overextended our time. I'm an overgiver, you know, so if you need to jump on a call to run through something we did, even if it was three years ago, and you know, oh, you have a question about that? My mm-hmm. rule is if I can, I will. So if I can, right. time, I definitely will. So we did that. And I, pro- I want to say we did that like a half dozen times. And at some point, you have to pay attention that some people are t- trying to take advantage, right? Like there's other layers to programs that you can go back in if you or if you really want to do it, if you want to apply that work that you did before to something new in your life. Well, now we need to do new work, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. can't necessarily tap into the old thing. And she was really upset that I wouldn't take a call on a Saturday. I was out with my family, which I usually am. Again, I got kids, I got grandbabies, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have replied in a message like, hey, you know, you have the link to my schedule. I went so far as to pull it up and give it to her. Here's a link to my schedule. Go ahead and schedule something. You know, when something's available, we'll have the conversation. And she was really upset and went off. Like, Emmy, when I tell you, she went off. She went off about, you know, I'm a former client and you should make room for me. And, you know, after I've paid X amount of dollars, you should definitely, you know, be available for me. When I was like, what, what's happening? You realize that you're not a current client. You're not in a program. And in my head, Kia, the old, young, immature, non-kind version of myself was trying to creep up because I wanted to say, chick, if you don't, you know, like I wanted to to another, but I had to remember that as much as I had a right to push back against the boundary that she was trying to cross, because she was both professionally and personally, because I had given out my personal cell phone to her um, for various reasons when she was a client, just dealing with some other like pretty serious stuff. I had to be mindful that I was, I needed to meet her where she was. Like she was angry and upset and she was feeling abandoned and she was feeling rejected, which had absolutely nothing to do with me. That was not what I was doing. So I let with kindness in my anger and said, listen, I appreciate all of the the wonderful things that you've received from the the various programs and work that we've done that makes you want to reach out to me, but I'm Mm going to redirect you to another coach who might be able to help you with this abandonment and attachment issue that you do. Because although I'm a licensed clinical social worker by profession, that's not how I show up in my business. I use my clinical tools to, you know, help me break through a lot deeper than most other people, but I'm not being a therapist in my company, if that makes sense. Right. So I was like, let me refer you to one. So I know some coaches who are also therapists and they wear both hats consistently in their practice. So I had to refer out and I just dealt with it with kindness. Let me be a resource. Let me not give you everything that belongs to you and, you know, right. <laughs> you know really tell you about how I feel in a not so great way. And I smiled the whole time. So a key for me is also smiling because it changes the way you manage things. It shifts your perspective. Mm-hmm and it shifts your energy. So that can look a little sociopathic, like I was saying, (laughs) in front of someone and you're smiling while you're like, you know, Amy, I'm not really sure why you think you can play this game with me, but it's not going to work here. And I'm saying, you know, something that would be (laughs) usually with an angry tone or a yucky face, but I'm smiling. You're like, what is happening with this girl? And I just give it to you because you have to really decide who deserves that energy. My husband can get it anytime, right? Like he, I love him enough. He's close enough to me that he can absolutely get the angry side of me because he deserves it. You know, if he needs it, he can get it. 
But if right. I don't know you that well, if you're not affecting my my space on a regular basis, should I really be sharing anger with you that goes past, you know, like 30 seconds? Like, are you worthy of me changing my vibration and going mm-hmm. low? And you really do have to ask yourself that. So it, again, it right. takes a lot of self-work to get there, but it can be done. Yeah. And, and I think some of it's remembering exactly, you know, what you said is like, whatever it is that's setting you off with like whatever that person is saying or doing or whatever's happening is generally about them. Yeah. And it's really not about you. Right. And it's hard so. to remember sometimes in that moment, right? Like when someone's attacking you or vomiting on you emotionally and verbally, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be hard to, to be honest with yourself about, well, what is, what is because I triggered? Because sometimes we triggered someone else because we were being a little snappy and we weren't stepping back and listening you know, to the vibration of what was really happening, right? Like the rooted vibration, which is a lot of what good leaders do. You have to step back and acknowledge the perspective of others. And if you do that, then you're more likely to be able to sense what's really going on, what really belongs to you. So you can take ownership of it, do some reflection and learn that lesson Mm -hmm. and maybe apologize if, if that's what you need to do in that moment versus absorbing all the stuff that's theirs and you now taking it home and you feeling like you're less than or unworthy or maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. Maybe you should step down from this leadership position. Maybe you should change businesses. And I'm not saying that all those things aren't necessarily something that you might want to consider if you're not showing up as a good leader. But if you are, and if you're careful about what you're allowing to absorb into your own vessel, your own cup, then you've done what you're supposed to do. And that's being a good, you know, that's showing good leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so, so important. I'm curious too, if like there was a time where you didn't have that boundary where you just would have had the call on the weekend. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that that's, that's honestly where some of that came from is years ago, we started our company in 2011. So when I first started, I was just, I wasn't just available, I was accessible, which I always say be available, but limit the accessibility, right? Like if you want to actually have a life, you have to, you know, have some boundaries around what time of day you're going to be available for non-emergency calls. You even have to decide is your, if you're a business owner yourself, or you work for a company that doesn't necessarily have emergencies, you have to define, is that something that you're going to do? Is there an emergency in personal development? No, it isn't. So technically, I never ha- my company never has to take a call at 3 a.m. But what I would do is be, I, because I'm coming from a, a clinical space and, and thinking, you know, oh, my goodness, someone is, you know, going really low or they're depressed or they're anxious and it's borderline suicide or it's shifting into another space where my clinical self would jump up, even though I said that that's not what I would do. I have power partners that I can refer to if someone mm-hmm. needs to, you know, work with someone else on that level in conjunction or instead of me. But I crossed my own boundaries because I was very fluid with them. And that's typically why I was thrown off balance. For me, what took me to be so, you know, focused on on balance and relationships and intimacy and joy was not having any of it. Like that was my my story. Me not having it and me not being on kilter me feeling like my family and being told by my daughter was seven at the time when she said, you're so awesome, but you're awesome for everyone else but me. Like that stung. And the reality, it was like huge. And the reality is it came from me not admitting the truth of what I wanted. 
And that's all balance is. And I didn't have it. I wasn't admitting what I truly wanted. And therefore I was not creating the boundaries to get that thing that I wanted or those things that I wanted so that I could feel in balance. For me, that's all balance is. It's your truth over your boundaries, period. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And I didn't have it. So I would make myself available. I wasn't giving out the office, you know, the office phone number was on the business cards, but I rarely even gave out the business card. People would say, only kid, I'd love to connect with you. And I would immediately give my cell phone number, immediately. And there was not a work versus personal number. There was no extensions. I mean, now we have Google Voice and all that that can divide it. We, I wasn't doing any of that eight years ago, well, almost nine years ago. Um, so when someone would text me at, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning and I'm an early riser and I was up, I would respond. I would respond to the text. I would respond to the email. So of course, if they're on it, I was training them to think that this is the time that you could access me, right? You could access me right. on a Saturday or Sunday. I was so bad in me and I'm a minister as well. And I'm very spiritually, you know, tethered for lack of a better phrase. And on Sundays, they're very, very protected time for family. I was so bad that I would be like walking into the church building, responding to emails on a Sunday. I would step out of church to take a phone call. Like it was really mm-hmm. bad. And a lot of it was because not only did I not admit what I wanted and create boundaries for it, but I was feeling desperate. So when you're feeling desperate on, for any reason, desperate in your personal relationship, and you're just like accepting any old thing, you, you're just desperate for friendship. So even though that girlfriend has showed you 20 times over that she is not your ride or die, she is clearly sharing your information with her other good girlfriend, you know, that you don't mm-hmm. even know or, you know, connects with that way, but you're just desperate to have that person to talk to. You're desperate for love. So you're just dealing with the dude or the chick that really doesn't, you know, hasn't earned your your worth or your time or your energy. And obviously the same for business. If you're just like desperate to prove yourself and you want to build a portfolio so bad that you're willing to take any and everyone without filtering them, without an application process, without knowing your avatar, the the values of the person you truly work best with, no matter how dope your gift is, and you know it can apply to everyone, you still work best with certain types of people. And those are the people that you should work best with, that you should work with so they can get the best out of you. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing any of it. I was new to business, new to entrepreneurship. I'm coming from a, a helping space. I'm a helper. I'm used to dealing within systems of Children's Hospital and Support Center for Child Advocates and Community Behavioral Health and Department of Behavioral Health and the government and judicial systems. I'm used to working in these really audacious, huge, often very unorganized systems. Mm-hmm. So being an entrepreneur and stepping into that space and having to create my own system was mind, like it was mind boggling to do that down to the understanding who to network with, who's really got, you you know, who really is interested in learning about you, your business, so they can be referral partners and you can be reciprocal and all of that versus people who just saw you as a dollar sign, right? Or saw your network as, as money and just wanted to skip right past you to get into your pocket, which is your, your network, your people in your community. That was, they were all lessons that I literally failed right on through, paid attention to all of them. I collected all of that pain, all of the lessons. And when I got to a strength space where I could reflect on like, yo, like, do you realize what just happened to you? You would never show up like this in your normal professional self. Why are you showing up like this as an entrepreneur? 
I had to be honest with myself. And the reality was I wasn't trusting my own self. I didn't have self-intimacy as an entrepreneur because it was so exposing of all the things I didn't even know I had to work on yet. So, right. Well, and I think particularly as you're starting off in a new business, it's like every direction stuff's coming at you. And it's like, Oh, you should do this and you should do that. And you should do that. And you don't know which one is going to work for you. Yeah. No, so I think it's okay. easy to get derailed. It is. Um, and I think a lot of your, it's easier when you don't have to use a term that's very appropriate to this podcast, when you don't have a tribe, right? Yeah. You don't have sounding board, that safe space to ask the question and say, you know what guys, I've, thought about, you know, changing all my brand colors from this beautiful sparklicious purple that I love so much to, I want to play with, I don't know, yellow, right? <laughs> right. Like just da- nothing wrong with yellow, but when you don't even have that place where you feel safe enough to ask questions and get good feedback without judgment, right. And there, there's mm-hmm. a difference and there's a separation, then you get in your head and you start to ask and answer the same questions until you've literally worn yourself out and you just fall into whatever is easiest in that moment, which isn't necessarily the path that you're supposed to be on. Exactly. Exactly. And I think having the tribe too is where, you know, even a few accountability partners can help pull all of that out of you. Yes. It's super important. And I mean, that's what your tribe should be on some levels is you should be right. able to find those accountability partners for different parts of your life, right? Like there's the personal, yeah. the personal, all of it. Yeah. I mean, I talk about having a life team and a business team. Mm-hmm. The business team isn't necessarily like people working for you. It's, you know, your accountant, both personally and professionally, but you know, your coaches, your mentors, the people that are supporting you, accountability partners, and then life similar in that like your financial advisor accountant um, maybe you you have an estate planning attorney or whatever but also some of your like really good friends that are supportive of what you're doing who can pull you into a higher space on a regular basis yeah no I a thousand percent agree with that it's so crucial especially for I mean for anybody for humans period but especially for women because we get pulled in to a lot of spaces that make us, it taps into that, that inner child's need to be wanted, to be recognized and to be loved. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we play in those spaces too long. So we could have that really good girlfriend to use your point that is great personally. She's the go-to for relationships up, but she don't know about your business, right? Like she can't. And because you had a really good conversation and she helped you so much, or you felt needed and you helped her so much, and a personal conversation does not mean that she's the person to share your business vision with. Right. Right. And I think being clear about that is really important. Yeah, it is. So I want to shift gears for a little bit because you do something that I don't see a lot of people doing. And I think we should all start instituting. And that is your self-love-cation. Oh, yes. <laughs> because as you were talking about, you didn't have the systems mm-hmm. and, you know, initially in your business. For me, this is like, it's almost like having another system. It's like implementing, and you referred to it when we were talking earlier, as recalibration. Yeah. So share with everybody a little bit about what that is and why you started doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So self-lovecation started for me about 
mm, two years, two years into us starting our business. I started originally saying I would do it about two to four weeks, and then it grew from that to four to six weeks, and now it's a stickler. I am, you know, the last three years, we've been doing it for six weeks, period, no questions, not loosening any reins around it. When I originally started it, it was simply just because I was feeling burnt out, right? Like I was just by the summer and I'm a summer baby too. So for those of you who are very aligned with your birthday and your energy around your birthday, you know that there's a lot of emotional and mental transition that you go through as you get about roughly 60 days out before your birthday, you start being like, oh my gosh, mortality, I'm getting older, right? (laughs) Stuff kicks in. Um, And I do mines every summer um, from usually about July 20th until the end of August and with a slow taper into, you know, post Labor Day, right? Post Labor Day is when we really pick up steam back into business, even though we're officially back to business by September 1. And my birthday is July 28th, just to give a little context. So when I first started doing it, it was really just because I was burnt out. I was burnt out from doing all of the running around, every coffee meeting. I feel like everyone in Philadelphia knew my name and, you know, and, and I was referring clients and doing all kinds of different things. And it wasn't necessarily reciprocal. It was a lot of, and Emmy, I'm sure you can speak to this as an entrepreneur. Sometimes there's a lot of meetings about meetings about what we might do one day, someday. And then the yeah. follow- right? The follow through falls through the holes or those people really Mm -hmm. just wanted, they wanted to seem busy that day. So you were just another meeting for them. Meanwhile, you were actually trying to build a connection to see if there would be a relationship that would come out of regardless. Yeah. Uh, And I was just really spent in accordance with this. I also have a rare autoimmune that takes a lot of my energy and I have to be very careful with, you know, the way that I eat and my stress levels and all that stuff so I can stay out of the hospital. So I was just really just feeling drained and I was having a lot more flares than normal and I'm a homeopath. So I'm, you know, super in tune and do a lot of the stuff myself and everything was just going to rise. So what I decided to do by year three, when it became strategic, as I said, because I was feeling a lot of guilt during these first couple of self-lovecations, like, oh my God, I'm an entrepreneur. You don't work, you don't eat. You better, you know, you better put in the work, like how dare you take off So that kind of thing. So I looked at the books. I was really strategic. I looked at our numbers, you know, what months were, what weeks and months were our hotspot weeks when we had the most money generating. Remember, we're personal development. So there's a lot of workshops, intensives, masterclasses, webinars, speaking engagements. At that point, most were unpaid speaking engagements with a few paid because we were hoping that the unpaid would lead to paid workshops. Now it's very different. Almost 98% of my speaking engagements are paid now. So we, you know, changed a lot of the back office of the business for that. But in the time, I looked at what were our dry spots, for lack of a better. And we were really dry in the summer. And when you think about it, the growth and development space, I mean, corporations aren't necessarily bringing you in for a lot of conferences and workshops and intensives and, and coaching because their employees are going on vacations and there's baby showers and bridal showers and graduations. It's the summer's a hot spot for people not being in that mental space of work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least in the United States, you know, obviously different, different parts of the world, different times. But we looked at it and we realized we were spending more money than we were making during the summer. I was spending money still having all of these, you know, five, six, seven meetings a day running around this city, that city. And I we're global. So we're traveling, we're getting on trains and planes and automobiles and doing all of this to show up. 
for meetings to be cut short, for people to say, oh my goodness, Nikita, I totally forgot my nephew's graduation is today, or, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm meanwhile, I paid $400 a night at the hotel in New York to stay for three days because I have this full schedule, and out of, you know, 16 meetings for those three days, maybe two were actually happening, and I was like, wait a minute, something is wrong with this picture, right? Maybe we are completely, and I know you can speak to this because you're an in- investor as well. We're a completely bootstrapped company, as in it is our money and only our money, right? Like we we invest in others, but we didn't necessarily have investors in our business. So all accountability, fiscal responsibility was on me to really make sure that what we put in came out some kind of way, even if it took six months to, ge- you know, or nine months to generate mm-hmm. it. So looking at the numbers, we looked at the hotspots, July, or actually middle of June is when things started to dip. July, it got really low. August, up until about the third week in August, is almost zero things happening. And then it would slowly, you know, would trickle up as you got closer to September. And there were some other dry spots around, uh, you know, end of December, the, the Christmas holidays for those who celebrate to the first two weeks in, in January for the most part. So that's when I decided to align my self-levocation. I said, you know what? I am fiscally responsible to protect this business <laughs> right? and protect my body and my mind and my spirit and all things that are aligned. So strategically, I'm going to take this time to, to recalibrate, look at what we were doing last year, which was from that uh, the September that I came back up into that July. So I kind of looked at it September to July. What was I doing? How did it work? Was the workshops working? Is this topic working? What's the feedback we're getting? So we just used like the first 24 to 48 business hours of the self-lovecation really is looking at the numbers just to make sure that we don't make the same mistakes or we do a little bit more of one type of thing than we were doing before. And then after that, it's all ease and flow. Um, I have some anchors because I have, you know, pure, good responsibilities with family, grandparents, all that. And I have two grandbabies that have a lot of health stuff that's happening with them. So I need to be available. But Mm -hmm. my husband and I anchor around our anniversary and I get massages and I get girlfriend time and I get to fast about seven to 10 days. You know, not all consistently at the same time. I kind of break it up over that six weeks to just really pay attention to me. It is the most selfish thing that I've ever done to literally pour into myself so that I can be completely full. When I come back to work, I can pour out without regret. And I know that that's hard for people. We pour and we pour and we pour and we're empty like the gas tank. And then our car engine starts messing up because we don't have any gas in it, right? Like, and then everything messes up. And when that happens, for those of you who drive, you're out there cursing at the car. Come on, what the, you know, like we're doing all right. that because the car is not working for you. And how that shows up in our business and with our families is now we're, we're showing up to these places not there. We're not present. We're at the baby shower. We're at the meeting. We're at the networking event. Meanwhile, we're thinking, okay, I got to go to the supermarket. I got to do this. I got to stop at the CVS. I got to, you know, we're not actually present because we're there in a space of regret because we were never full before we got there. So this six weeks is literally, it's my selfish time. It's when I give myself permission to pause, to live, to love, and to laugh my way to finding that next level of my joy. And that's where it really came from. It was, it's really a selfish time for me. Yeah. And I love every single second of it. 
It sounds amazing. How has it affected your business? It has more than tripled our business over the last few years. Once I let go of the guilt, so let me be very, and you know, I mean, you're not going to get anything less than transparency with me. Right. Extremely transparent. The first couple of years when I was kind of dibbling and dabbling with that, like two to four weeks, and I wasn't really sure, I wasn't really letting go. I wasn't releasing. Like I would come off the books. I would do the, you know, the outbound message to say, you know, I'm not available, you know, blah, 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 if you need an emergency, whatever. But I wasn't actually not working. So I wasn't really recalibrating because I had that guilt of not doing. And I felt like Mm -hmm. I needed to do in in order to get instead of allowing things to flow to me by being who I am which was a huge shift for me, probably around, mm, I would say by the self-lovecation, the fourth self-lovecation that, that happened. So was that 2015-ish, somewhere around there? Okay. That's when things shifted for us, when I really started to not just say I was going to be off the grid, but to really wow. be off the grid, <laughs> right? right? It made all the difference. We started to attract a lot more of the right types of opportunities. They Mm -hmm. weren't necessarily requiring me to, to, you know, I don't know what what the word would be, to run through 5,000 hoops to get to the one, you know, game that I wanted to play. People were coming to me and they were finding out about me while we were off work. Like when people can't access you, that exclusivity seems to do something to certain people, right? Like, oh, you know, Nikita, I looked at, because, you know, we have electronic calendars. Uh, We use Acuity. I know some people use Calendly and BookMe and other things. But if you go Mm -hmm. to that calendar and you see like, oh, July, no appointments, August, no appointments, September booked, you know, like, and you're looking, there's a part of you that says, who is this girl? What is Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it it wasn't pretend. It was just the reality because July and August, I'm away. September and October pretty much are filled to the hill before we even go to vacation because people know I am completely off the grid. So if you really want something, you know you have to get in there early and you definitely have to show up uh, having things together with whatever it is that you want to discuss. So that made the difference, that exclusivity and also not them not belaboring the conversation. So Amy, I know you okay. talk work in both with creative entrepreneurs and sometimes get pulled into, you know, corporate spaces for different engagements as well. Well, you know, the corporate conversation can be two years before you actually get something done, right? Yes. (laughs) That it, it minimized that two-year conversation to closer to nine months, which is a significant difference from a business perspective, because they know there is a pocket of time that I am not only unavailable, by the time you're ready to have a conversation, you now have to add four months before you mm-hmm. can get on my calendar because you waited to push something through that you could have walked down the hall two doors over, right? So it, it made a huge difference, both financially as well as I'm really much better. I won't say perfect, but I'm much better at attracting the, uh, the type of client that I really want to work with. Because when I come back from that that space of loving on myself, my man, my family, you know, all of that. Right. I am not showing up for your nonsense. Flying high. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It just, it's not happening. I'm like, listen, it's okay. You want to reschedule? It's fine. Would you like me to refer you? Because again, leading from kindness, I'm happy to refer you to someone else because we've rescheduled four times at this point. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so amazing. Just quickly, because we're going to have to wrap up. Unfortunately, I feel like we could we could keep going all day with this. But 
if somebody wanted to start implementing the self-lovecation, what's one or two things that they either could look at to get started or a couple of tips to things to keep in mind um, so that they can kind of plan that out? Yeah, no, that's perfect. So the first thing is if you are an entrepreneur, because you, you can also be an entrepreneurial leader in a workspace, but if you are an entrepreneur and your business is very dependent on you specifically showing up as the service person as well mm -hmm. as the CEO, then I would be strategic and look at your calendar, like look at the calendar of the last two to three years of when you are the most full. I try not to use the word busy. You're the most full in your work. And if that's January, February, and April, those are not months that you want to take off, right? Like, so you right. want to be very mindful about that. So be strategic. It does not have to be six weeks. We already established that I am a special spice. We are very clear about that. So you can just start with five to seven days and then, you know, slowly lengthen it. I have clients that will do four weeks over the year, but they break it up. If you're in business, look at it. If you are an entrepreneurial leader showing up for another organization in your business development relationship building hat, then you can still look at your hotspots for when your, your plate is the most full, but you also have the benefit that we entrepreneurs don't get. You get PPL time. So look at how much PPL time that you're getting mm -hmm. and you're losing year after year and be really strategic about that from a mental health and wellness space. You know that you're really, really busy in the fall, well, you probably need some mental health time to book in that busy season. So schedule that vacation right before the busy season so that you can come back, recharge, and right after the busy season so you can kind of debrief from all the great good stuff that you just gave to the world. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I'd like to add too, just because I know I'm aware of my rhythms, where I'm a summer baby too. So even though my birthday's in May, like I slow down very naturally and intuitively over the summer and again, right before the holidays. So I plan my business so that I have that time to have more downtime, generally speaking, and definitely in, in the winter because I just want to hibernate. Yeah, exactly. Like, like give me my blanket, you know, a good book, mm -hmm. some yummy food, and I'm content. Yeah. But it really allows me to be, you know, like, hit the new year, particularly, like, just so excited and ready to, you know, venture out and reconnect with everybody. Yeah, and that's you enjoying the process of your journey, right? Like, yeah. you actually get to enjoy it instead of just running through it. Right. And once, particularly in the winter, I accepted that I didn't have to go to every holiday party or do all the holiday stuff mm -hmm. and let go of that. It's amazing what can come in then. Yeah. That release and then allow. You released it yeah. and then you can allow such great things. Like, I can't wait to see your great everything with all the new transitions that you have because of all of yeah. the thing you've done and you've allowed some magnificence in your life. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Constantly creating. Mm -hmm. um, which is super fun. So I want to thank you, Nikita, so much for coming and being on the show, but sharing your infinite wisdom there. I mean, there's so many little nuggets here. Um, I'm going to encourage everybody who's listening to go back and listen again, because I think things will hit you at different times. And where can somebody connect with you if they wanted to reach out? Yeah. So the, going to the website, which is bigpro.com is the mm -hmm. absolute easiest. I'm sure the link will be here at the, the bottom of the show notes for the podcast. Yes, it will. 
And I would say the Intimacy Advantage Clinic is probably the best place to have conversations and come in and ask questions. And you can get that link on the website as well to just join our family. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. You are amazing, Emmy. I'm so grateful and so honored to spend this time with you and your listeners. And I, I'm just in this space of gratefulness. My heart is so full from the conversation that we had. So thank you so much. Well, I am as well. And to everybody listening, thank you. And we will see you next week. As an entrepreneur, do you ever feel isolated, like you're just grinding away and not getting to the place or reaching the goals that you want? Maybe you've realized that you just spent days, weeks, or even months trying to accomplish something only to figure out that the answer that you have would have saved you all of that time. I know I've had that experience and my clients have as well. And that's why I created the Tribe of Leaders Biz School. Get the accountability, the training, and the knowledge base in a community of like-minded people who are there to support you. Go ahead and check it out. It's thetribeofleaders.com.